everybody, welcome back to Roosters in beautiful Columbus, Ohio. They've moved us inside. It's October weather. I still am wearing shorts, and I still wish that we were on the patio. But we are in Roosters. It is Letterman Live. Uh, it's going to be a fun, casual conversation, as always. Michael Bennett and Anthony Schlegel back again. Special guest for the first time, a former Ohio State captain, Joe Berger. These guys know him pretty well, and if you don't remember, one of the coolest stories that you could ever uh, see for college football and another tribute to Ohio State, and then Joe Berger specifically, going from walk-on to captain, not exactly the easiest of rides, but Joe, thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, go Bucks, man. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> we've tried to get this on the schedule for about a year now, so uh, we finally made a hardcore date, and I'm excited to join you, and uh, I love their wings here, so it's going to be a good day. <laughs> he fits in perfectly for the show. <laughs> yeah, it's a win-win. Everybody's diving in, and if you don't know, Nat, Joe, I mean, you got these two baskets of mac and cheese bites those are schlegels don't touch those that's one of the key lessons that you have to yes, learn on the show. do not touch them those are mine <laughs> except i'll let mike have some i appreciate it yeah you're welcome it's a stealing <laughs> joe for anybody who hasn't uh, been following since you left you're still staying pretty busy what are you up to yeah so i started medical school back at ohio state last august um, i'm currently in my second year um, it took me about a year and a half after i graduated there are some credits i had to finish up um, i wasn't pre-med i was an engineer uh, graduating undergrad. So I got some work experience in medical field, did some research, um, but started medicine. Um, I love it at Ohio State. I think they've done a fantastic job. Um, so I got about another six more months. I take my first round of boards, then two years of clinicals um, and figure out what I'm going to do and what specialty. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Time's flying by. I can't believe, uh, you know, 2016 was my last year. <laughs> playing for the Buckeyes. It's hard to believe it's been four years since then. Yeah, I can't believe it's been that long either until you just said it out loud. I mean, I just, <laughs> right. It feels, right. it feels like yesterday that, that Urban was talking about how, you know, Berger and Fado were going to go save the world. And, you know, <laughs> he's I guess he's still on the way to doing that, but he's in the process of getting it done. Like, what, this guy's story and, and working with him or seeing him out there playing linebacker, what, what do you remember about Joe Berger? Well, I mean, the thing I remember about Joe – is that he's just a grinder. I mean, he's uh, everything that Coach Meyer wanted in, in his players. And that's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're a scholarship or not scholarship guy. We're all Buckeyes at the end of the day. So, you know, Coach Mick always talked about the hard, uh, the best players have to be the hardest workers, but there's got to be a lot of examples for a lot of the guys, right? And we always talked about being elite and being in the, in, in the red, right? The elites of the elites. And, and then how do you go down and get that bottom 80 and raise that level of them to be in the elite? Well, it takes an example of a Joe Berger and a Craig Feta. And then also the guys that, you know, have a lot of snaps to be able to do that and say, hey, this is a standard of excellence and how to be elite at Ohio State. Look at what this guy does. And then the fact that you go from non-scholarship, because again, he probably had offers to go to Mac schools, right? And it's like, no, I want to go to Ohio State. It means a lot to me. So guess what? Boom, I'm at Ohio State. I'm going to work my way up. Boom, you get offered a scholarship. You get made team captain. That's just not something that people are just throwing out there, right? It's something that's completely earned. But then he can take those lessons that he learned from, from that journey and then apply it now into medical school because the same type of discipline and the same mindset of being elite crosses over into that world as well. So it's, that's why it's exciting as a, a former coach to watch former guys go out there and start that journey on their life into their next career. Michael, these walk-ons, they're pretty important, aren't they? They are. And, I, you know, I'll stick closely with what Joe did because I think Joe is a textbook great teammate. And when you come to Ohio State as a linebacker walking on, it's a tall order to try to fight into that starting spot or fight into a rotation even because mm -hmm. you're competing against usually Ohio State linebackers are five-star guys. You know, there's 
there are other positions where, you know, they might take a chance with a three-star, you know, some of the lower rankings. But Joe's competing with our best recruits. And so to have him do that for four years and his, his mentality going into every single day was always spectacular. His work ethic was always great. And it, it proves it by getting offered a scholarship and being a captain on the Ohio State University. So I think he's just continuing his, his uh, pursuit of excellence with this med school um, this med school stuff because I mean that's not I don't think anybody would say that that's a pretty easy route so to <laughs> to go from working your way as a walk on to a captain of the Ohio State University to then say you know that wasn't enough maybe I'll go to med school and to be doing well through that and keeping your head on you and staying positive that's incredible man it's good to see you again Bam. Yeah, good to see you Mike. yeah, yeah. Down there, bro good I'm, see you I'm glad you can't you, you said we scheduled this for a while it yeah. wasn't just so that we could have Joe Berger appreciation day <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to talk football at some point, right? You know? <laughs> but so it is funny how this worked out because I knew you were coming. And then Saturday, we actually had one of the few uh, open windows to watch practice for Ohio State. We got to see 30 minutes of very exciting flex and stretching periods and could learn a lot. Oh, yeah. There you <laughs> go. But hey, that's like win the championship. That's like, yeah, I think they probably will. Uh, I still think it was funny because I walked out there and I told some people this story the other day. But like the first thing they had on during flex period, because in the horseshoe, and they had on the highlights of the Nebraska game last year which maybe that's just a coincidence because you have highlights of every single game, but it's a reminder of what's coming. It's just a couple weeks away, but I'm watching it up there, and all right, you see Chase Young making a play, Jordan Fuller making a play, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, K.J. Hill, Austin Mack, Benjamin Victor, J.K. Dobbins. You're like, holy cow, that is a lot of talent for that team to replace. And then you look down, like, oh, okay, that, they're going to be fine out there because you see Zach Harrison looking huge. You see Trey Sermon in the backfield. Uh, seven veteran linebackers, like they're still going to be good. Um, I don't need. To, I don't think any of us would disagree with that. But I thought one thing that was interesting, though, Mike. Sorry, just uh, to, to keep going on this. But you know, Xavier Johnson was out there running back, getting some key early reps. And if you don't know that name, well, it's it's a similar story. He's a three-star recruit from Cincinnati. Decided to walk on. He's out there getting key reps at that position. I don't know how much he'll play, but he turned down Mac schools. He. He made that you know journey up the interstate the same way that Joe Berger did, and it just happened to work out this way. But it's another guy who chose to come walk on here instead of playing in the MAC and fight for those reps. And Joe, like when a guy does that, like you've been through that and you made that decision. How hard is it to get there, and why why would you choose that path? Well, I I think for me, you know, a kid growing up in the Midwest, and you know, she likes to grow up in Texas. I think Mike would probably agree here. Um, you know, the standard for football in the Midwest is Big Ten football. Um, I grew up watching, I was a big Notre Dame fan growing up. You know, it was Notre Dame, Ohio State, uh, team up north, Michigan State. You know, those were your banner programs. And for me, you have a certain standard. And it was like, I'm going to play Big Ten football. Um, and, you know, I was blessed enough that, like you said, I had max scholarships. But for me, I don't, I don't know if it was the way that I was raising my family. But, you know, my dad played at Notre Dame. My brother did. And it was like, I, I don't know if I could let myself I don't want to say down because there's tons of great players, right. you know. Um, but there was a certain expectation that that was a standard for college football. And come hell or high water, like, you, you had to go get it. Um, and I was lucky enough that, you know, between Kerry Combs, Tim Hinton, uh, Luke Fickle, that I had opportunity to walk on at Ohio State. And obviously Urban timed up perfectly with my senior year. Um, and Urban had a tremendous respect for walk-ons. And so everything just kind of came together. Um, and I knew, you know, if I worked hard enough and – Urban said it right too. It's it's not only you got to work hard, you got to be a decent player too. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's like Mike talked about, everybody that played in front of me in the linebacker room got drafted. So I mean, there's plenty of good players. Um, 
but it was just like that that was the standard and like i was going to go hell or high water go get that um and really there was no other way and like i said it's probably more my family um just the way i was raised um but yeah that was this gold standard for me and i think we've heard ryan day say this already a couple times we don't have to talk exclusively about the walk-ons we'll talk about the top end of the roster I, i promise but in a season like this where you know that if somebody has a positive test injuries are always going to be part of it but this year in particular Ryan Day said it's probably going to take all 120 players. Well, it helps if you're Ohio State and you have some walk-ons that could have been playing in the MAC. Very few programs are going to have that opportunity. If they have to turn to third or fourth string guys, Ohio State's in a much better position because of their walk-ons would be scholarship players at a lot of other schools. So I think it's really important to understand to be a walk-on at Ohio State, you still have to have a good amount of talent. Like It's not like you're bringing in you know, some random person they still are very talented football players. It's just they might not have the same measurables coming out of high school as some of these other players. So you get them, you give them some time with Coach Marotti and other strength coaches to actually develop some of those physical attributes that they need to be more successful. They're already grinders. To be a walk-on at a big, uh, big school, you have to work. You have to work, be willing to work hard, and you have to have a great mentality. Coaches don't want you to be there if you're not going to help the team come up in one way or another. Yeah. So these guys that are coming to Ohio State who are kind of like under the radar because they're walk-ons or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, they get some – they'll grow, you know, and, and once they get an opportunity to show it, there's a very good chance they could establish themselves as a playmaker or as a, a real contributor on the team because they're talented and they're workers. Yeah, you got to be able to add more value than you take, and that's what they do. Uh, what's the, what's the third-string running back for the Browns that got like 95 yards this last week? I'd never heard of him before yesterday, yeah. and I don't remember his name now. Okay, it starts with a D. <laughs> I, 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 I talked about it this morning on Morning Juice, and I totally forgot his name, and I just blanked out. But that's a real-life situation. If yeah. you think about that game, right, like why he said that people are going to have to be more versatile and flexible on the team. All right, so you got a Nick Chubb, obviously an absolute stud, number one running back. He goes down, tears his MCL. You have uh, Hunt. He had a growing injury. Or injury. Boom. He's kind of limited. He had 71 yards. Now you bring in the third string guy, right? Who is that really guy for the Buckeyes, right? And there's a, there's a lot of guessing. All right, is Master T going to be back? He had the Achilles. You got Trey Sermon. All right, how many reps are you going to have? Well, what happens if somebody gets COVID or they're in the 21-day protocol, right? We just saw this right now with Tennessee and now New England, right? So they're going into this one the tonight. The New England Patriots are without their starting quarterback. Their entire game plan is predicated upon him being able to run the football and play action pass. But now you're going to have Hoyer, and then you also got – I forget his name, starts with the S, but he's like a 25-year-old kid. It's like, are we going to see him, who we got? And you got to implement this game plan, fly out there day of game, yeah. right, so it's not canceled, and go play the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, that's the reality of playing football in 2020. Like, you're going to adapt, and you're going to make it happen. So the amount of depth that you have is a competitive advantage. And so for the walk-on perspective, when call, like Coach said, when called upon, you got to respond to the level which you've been trained. Well, while you're there – the beauty of Ohio State is they are constantly developing everybody. You might not get the reps, but the ownership of you getting mental reps and knowing exactly what to do, so when your number's called, you can go in there and respond, whether it's special teams or if something happens in the game, like you have to be able to go do that, and you will be held accountable for that because if you're not, the the, the leeway that a walk-on has is significantly less, and we've talked about this in the NFL. A guy who's an undrafted free agent, rookie, running back, right? Like, you got to go earn it. Like, we saw the kid from uh, uh, Rippin from, from Denver. He comes in in one game. He's playing great. Has three picks, one taken to the house. Like, that is, like, looked at you as 
you got to go earn this spot. And, and the amount of opportunities that you have to go get that spot is slim and none. So when yep. you get those things, you got to be able to take a full advantage of it. And you're going to see that's really, really critical here in 2020. Also, those walk-ons get to eat now, Joe. So that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Big time ball yeah, right game there. changer. And yeah. Austin, if I could bring one more point. You talked about Ryan Day saying, you know, we need 120 guys. Yep. And the good thing, you know, maybe slight differences between Urban and Ryan Day is that if you look at the way that they rotate players, and I know I talked to Justin Hilliard last year, and it helped out the team morale a little bit, mm-hmm. is that you're having more players play meaningful snaps. And that's similar to what Clemson does a lot earlier. Um, than what we traditionally did when I was there. Um, and I know Mike didn't rotate early on in his career as much as he did with Coach Johnson. And I think Ohio State's done a tremendous job, and so Ryan Day has done a tremendous job last year. And I think you'll see it this year. You know, the guys that are getting meaningful reps early on in the season, and you talked about, um, was it Zach Harrison? I don't yep. know, um, I can't remember 33's name, that made the sack against Trevor Lawrence last year. Yeah. Would he have made that play without those reps in the first you know 12 games a year that we might not have seen from Urban Meyer? And I think that that's, you know, Ryan Day talks that he lives it, um, you know, week in, week out. And I think that's a big concept that's really going to help them out this right. year. So you had a conversation with Justin Hilliard, and then the last few days, the linebacker rotation has been, I think, one of the most fascinating things for many of us to try and figure out. So you've got seven guys at least in that unit, starting with Justin Hilliard trying to work in there on the outside, Baron Browning switching, Pete Warner going to the will, um, <laughs> Tough Borland, uh, Taraja Mitchell, like. Uh, Kayvon Pope, Dallas Gann, I could keep going. It's like how, if you were a linebacker or if you were a linebacker's coach and you're out Washington trying to handle this, how are you, uh, are you comfortable with the rotation? Or do you understand the motivation for swapping Pete Warner? From your perspective, you got two linebackers down there and a guy who knows what they were doing behind him. What What's the best way for Ohio State to manage this? Yeah, I, I think um, number one, you know, you have seven different guys, but they're all going to have different strengths. Um, you know, you look at Justin's obviously a thickly built guy. Justin's going to be able to stop the run. Tough is as smart as can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tough that he's going to have a different strength that's way different than Baron Browning with his length and athleticism. Yeah. Um, so I think it's designing systems and concepts is going to fit each one of those players. And I think that he, he did a tremendous job last year. You look at Wisconsin, they used four linebackers set in that game. And I think your ability to incorporate different players in the game plan you know, that increases morale. You know, if you have five guys in the game plan, you have five guys that are preparing every single second, um, you know, to be a starter, to be contr- counted on mm-hmm. for critical moments in that game. Um, you know, I can talk from experience that, you know, I wasn't going to be a starter up until my last game against that team up north when I was going to be used in a different set against their personnel. And you look at, while I consider myself to be extremely prepared for every game, but that level of preparation obviously team up north, but because I was starting, <laughs> yeah. you take an extra step up there right. because you know what's expected of you and how much your team counts on you. So I think understanding that, and they have such a great relationship along the uh, in the room, that helps out. There. When you love and you trust, when you see your guy out there making a play, that you're more happy for him than you are for yourself. Schlegs, I felt, I, you know, I was on uh, your show, Morning Juice, on Morning Friday. Morning Juice, you on were on it. I love you. And I, there's nothing more intimidating to me than Being going on, on that show. your show with – you and Bobby are sitting there, or just like right now with you and Joe, like you guys asking me a question about the linebackers. Well, like that's that's like that's like going to medical school and trying to get ready for a test. Like you guys are the most exacting professors around. So I have to get your perspective, not mine, yeah. on Pete Warner and and what that move really means for the Buckeyes. Well, I think the the, the reason they made the move, and I, I'm saying this because it's the reality of the situation, 
the Will linebacker is the best linebacker on the field from an athletic standpoint and what he's called to do within the scope of the, uh, scope of the defense. Mm-hmm. So you look at A.J. Hawk. A.J. Hawk out there, you have no problem that guy pushing through to two to number one or running with a guy in the seam, right? Because the weakness to cover three is the seams, right? So you got a corner, safety corner. All right, I got to run with this guy here. If they bring a back out of the flat, like I, I trust my guy can cover him. If he has to run a real route, et cetera, et cetera. As a Mike, you normally have some type of help. We ran a lot of quarters, right? I got to push through a tight end. Very rarely if I'm in Tampa 2, do I have to actually get some depth? There might be some times where I got to run with a ver- uh, number three vertical. It's probably a tight end. Hey, if they run a lot of jerk routes and bring a guy in the middle and I got a smaller guy, hey, coach, why are we running this? Like, you know my capabilities. So, and then you have a Sam linebacker. Back when we played, Sam was a guy that you could flex. It's also kind of the star position nickel back out of our base front. But he's a guy that's normally on the line if you play it under. He's in a nine technique. He sets the edge, right? If not, boom, you can move him off the ball. And now you're playing a over or under front or an over front, excuse me, four or three. But he's still outside setting the edge. Different capabilities, right? Like a John Simon now in the NFL, he's that Sam type linebacker, outside linebacker that goes curl a flag and make those drops. You're not necessarily having them cover a lot of dudes man-to-man, but he can, mm-hmm. right? So they all have different fits to the game. Pete Werner is by far the best all-around linebacker on the team. So what do you do with that person? You put him at the will linebacker position, and he's really smart. And also, it's going to help him translate into the NFL game because he's going to be an in-the-box type player, right? This is perfect for Baron Browning because what is really Baron? Like, we don't really know because when he came out of high school, he was more of like a DN that also played in the middle that can basically see ball, hit ball, right? Like, that's kind of his mentality. So they're going to float him around and do some different things. Tough is tough, right? He is the guy. He sets the front, has great communication, knows where everybody's going, can kind of dissect it, actually runs really well sideline to sideline. But then I've got to get another mix. And that's what you saw with Hilliard coming in last year. They ran a four-guy front. He was the Sam at that point. And so he was to the field, and he made some really good plays. The beauty of the linebacker room is you have a ton of competition. You have tons of competition. And competitive excellence is a key staple of Ohio State. It's not like you're afraid of losing your job, but you're also you're going to go out and, and prepare and attack every opportunity. <laughs> well, you, I mean, like, but why be afraid of it if you know you're doing everything right? You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, I had the same thing when I came in here. You had a five-star guy and Mike DeAndre, right? Like, you got to go earn it, and then when you go earn it, like, you don't give it up, you know? And if you got guys and they're going to roll them, it's not you're going to be, you know pissing and moaning to coach about why am I not getting my playing time like just go out there and be a dog to where they even get it like I can't take this guy out the field if that's what you really want but some of the best example I've seen was a Curtis Grant in 2014 working with Raquel McMillan to bring him up senior five-star guy freshman four-star guy or five-star guy hey he's battling for the same spot but because of competitive excellence working with his teammate, he also had the three best games of his career in the three biggest games of his career at the end of the season. So that's how it all works. And so at the end of the day, I think that Al Washington's going to have a lot, lots to choose from, but it also, again, goes back to the depth that is required for 2020 because we'd obviously have seen the NFL. We don't know how guys are going to respond and get hurt. You can't, can't get the full physicality that you normally would, and you're not going to have the, the lead-up games going into the season. So you're going to see the same type of injury things happen. It's just how, how much does it affect the Buckeyes? The good thing is we have a lot of depth there, Mike. Mike, when you uh, you shrugged when Schlegs was talking about not being afraid of the competition or losing your spot, I mean, Urban's era seemed to really be highlighting for players the coaching out of fear, like that something could be taken away from you. But, you know, Joe brought this up with the 120, and maybe that's just a shift in philosophy from 
the way Urban Meyer coaches to Ryan Day. You played, you played for the previous regime, but there, I don't get the sense that any of these guys are are scared of losing a position uh, that might have been the way it worked previously. Regardless of who your coach is, you should always be cognizant of how how tightly you hold your position. You should always be worried that if I'm not out there putting my best foot forward every play in practice and every play in that game, that dude up behind me is, co- is going to come and try to take my spot. And on top of that, you should be making that guy behind you better so that when when you see him performing, you're like, well, I've got to re- elevate my game. I've never liked the idea of, you know, I'm scared of losing my position, so screw these freshmen or these right. sophomores. No, no, no. Elevate your game because the people behind you are coming for your position, and we're all part of a team, so making them better is going to make you better, and making yourself better is going to make them better because it's going to give them more of an example to follow. So I do think it is healthy for anybody, especially a starter, to be worried about losing your position day in and day out. I think you know that slight level of paranoia is necessary right. To keep spurring you forward because it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy, especially as an upperclassman who had success the year prior, to say, "Who's going to come take my spot? This freshman or this sophomore?" No, no, no. I've established myself. I'm safe. Whatever. And that complacency is, it's, it's a trap. Because okay, maybe you have a season similar to the last one, but you should have gotten better. You should have had a better season, and you decided that I've done enough already. All right. Um. So I don't think it it, it was Urban Meyer making us frightened or. Or Ryan Day now making everybody calm. I think <laughs> as a competitor, you should always be cognizant of that. Yeah, I think I didn't mean to to say that uh, Ryan Day was coasting through this. We've seen him <laughs> plenty of times where the competitive fire comes out, uh, just like these guys all showed on the field. We're going to give them a break uh, to maybe grab some more mac and cheese bites. I don't know what Joe's I've favorite thing is on the shrimp. <laughs> I got this Italian sub. I got mac and cheese. It's bumpy, man. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm, I'm a wing guy. Fast. I'm trying to stay in. I look at Schlegs like, man, you haven't changed a bit. You're still like, you just don't stop, do you, man? <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't, don't tell him he hasn't changed because he's constantly, he's, he's all gas, no brakes. So. All gas, no brakes. I just, yeah, more caffeine. All right, we're gonna, <laughs> we are going to tap the brakes right now, take a quick break. Uh, be right back on uh, Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. Roosters is one of the unique companies that we deal with. They're involved in everything we do, from our personal foundation to also the Cancer Research Fund. And that's from the Buckeye Cruise from Cancer to all the events leading up to the Buckeye Cruise. They donate back to different organizations that are near and dear to their heart. And we're so fortunate to have been with Roosters now for a long, long time. All the folks at Roosters are just genuinely kind folks, and they want to make a difference. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. All right, welcome back to Roosters for Letterman Live. It's a fun, casual conversation about the Buckeyes and, and all of college football because the Buckeyes still aren't going to play for a couple more weeks. Let's go. We... Uh, Michael, we made some picks on Thursday night, and a lot of them weren't very good. I was 100%, wasn't I? Were you? I guess we'll check the tape. No, don't look at the tape. Just take my word for it. Um, But it also prompted a conversation before we got here, which is what the hell is going on in the Big 12, uh, or more specifically what's happened to Texas and Oklahoma, which are really the only programs that matter there. And the conspiracy theories were flying. Spencer Holbrook behind the camera today comes over and says, well, maybe maybe it's a high school football problem in Texas, which I don't believe. Uh, I'd let Spencer, maybe we'll plug him in here and he can give that thought uh, later on, but if it's some of the best high school football in the country, surely that's not the issue. Schlegs, I thought that would have been offensive to you No, that that Texas high school football players aren't getting it done. No, here's here's the entire issue with Texas and Oklahoma. On defense, who are you practicing against? You're practicing against these prolific offenses. One... That's a problem, right? When you're at Ohio State, we still run the power. So you can talk all like all the things about playing 
high school football in the South, and a lot of teams throw the football, right? That's what they're used to. They're going seven on seven. I take it back and I look at how we're developing guys and the physicality and the toughness. We run the football out of the spread. Like, that is our bread and butter. Our bread and butter is the power. The emphasis on the B block from the guard to the tackle up to the linebacker is something that you have to be physically tough to do. We train toughness in stopping the run here. That's the number one thing we're predicated upon as a defense. Stop the run, then affect the quarterback. You go look at the Big 12. Is it that? When you're playing nothing but an air raid, spread, pass-happy offense, how much real work are you getting done running and, and stopping the run inside the tackles, right? So now let's flip that script to – Oklahoma and Texas. I'm going to actually move Oklahoma out of the way because I'm from Texas. Let's just talk about Texas. Texas has the the problem of they have to try to get the big-time five-star recruits out of their state. Ohio State is blessed. We get to go down, hand-select the ones that we want that fit our program and our culture, and, and they will come here, and they will be fantastic. We've seen it, right? Proof's in the pudding. Jeff Okuda, J.K. Dobbins. We had a quarterback here for a long time. Oh, what was his name? J.T. Barrett, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you forgot that he was from what? Texas, Wichita Falls. I'm sorry. Anyways, absolute stud. <laughs> I just yeah. I didn't know I was getting quizzed was again. Well, guess if what? We're gonna gonna throw throw Garrett Wilson, no, no, Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. Hey, Wilson. Keep going. We got all these wide receivers. You want me to keep going? Okay. Sorry, I'm just trying to prove that I know the people from okay, Texas. Okay, okay, good, because you hurt you hurt my feelings yeah. there for a second. Anyways, that being said, Texas, on the other hand. If they don't get those, they got to go get the next five-star kid that's available. Then they got to go get the next one, right? And we talk about Michigan developing guys, but what if they're always having to go get those big-time guys that don't fit their culture or their program because they're afraid of, if I missed on that guy, and he happens to hold it together for three years at some random program, and that guy comes and beats you. Now it's like, oh, you missed that guy, right? Instead of being able to be selective of the guys that fit your culture. And, and, and your system, right? Like, that's where they're at really a competitive disadvantage because they're trying to get back. They're trying to be the leader when you have all these different people coming in. Oklahoma, Louisiana, the SEC, because now Texas A&M is there. Yeah, there's a, a wealth of talent, but it's also being distributed through a lot of different channels. Yeah, that, that part of the argument, Schlegs, and I get it and it makes sense, but it, it also doesn't resonate with me because I, I, I've seen How does this, it not resonate? I've seen this with only from an excuse from their standpoint that it shouldn't be one because for years and years and years and all the way through at Mac Brown, when it got to National Signing Day, they, that class had already been committed for a year. They had 25 commitments for the following year of the best players in the state. All right, all right. Listen, so, here's why. What happened when Michigan got rid of Lord Carr? You went to Rich Rod. You went to some other big heavyset guy. Then you went to uh, Hoke, right? What's his name, Hoke? Yeah. Right? Then you went to Jim Harbaugh, right? Three, three guys in the span of we went from Jim Trussell to Urban Meyer, now to Ryan Day. We obviously had the one year with Luke Fickle, but, like, that was it, right? You went to Mac Brown, and I don't even know how many coaches they had. But then those guys go recruit people to run their system. And then when I change systems, I'm still left with those guys because they're on scholarship. It's not like you can just clean house. The, the talent, the people are still there. So then you have to go develop them and change the scheme and the system that you're running. Right? So now, so there, there is a talent issue there. And there's also a development issue there. And here's the other thing. It's Texas. And when Texas loses the importance 
in the state amongst the recruits because they're like, hey, I want to go to LSU. They're the latest and greatest thing. They want a national championship. Oh, I'm going to go to Alabama. They're always in contention. Oh, I'm going to go to Clemson because they're always in contention. Oh, I'm going to go to Ohio State. They have so many better options. When Texas was the only option, they had good ball. But now that they're the third, fourth, fifth, sixth best option in the area, you suck. I'm going to throw something in there. Go throw it in there. Drop the nuggets. the Big 12's problem has been the same problem it's had for a long time. When I was coming out, why did I not want to go to the Big 12 or the Pac-10? Because I'm from Ohio, and Ohio prides itself on hard-nosed people. Yeah. And when you look at the Big 12, I don't see people who, I don't know if this sounds crazy, who like to bloody their face. I don't look at the Pac-10 and I think, oh, yeah, Oregon's full of a bunch of tough, gritty people who like to bloody well, Texas, their Texas, Texas, Texas is kind of gritty that way. But the air, They but, come to Ohio State. The, yeah, you know, the air raid is, not, is built on avoiding that. I know, right? I and, know. And I, I really I think, know. like, especially, you know, my senior year, when we, were, had to, we knew we were going to have um, Alabama and then we were either going to have Oregon or Florida State. I couldn't care less about Oregon or Florida State because I knew that when you hit those people in the mouth, it's not the same as when you hit Alabama in the mouth. Alabama's not scared. When you, when you come at them and you give them everything you've got, they're going to give you the same back. When you hit Oregon, they're, you know, they're flash. They've got talent. Yeah. They've, the Big 12's got talent. But I personally, I don't see that, that grittiness in these teams that I see in – Midwest teams or or in the SEC, even even the not as good Midwest teams are still some but gritty even, suckers. Even when you walked off the bus and then you got that trophy that's on your arm right here, everyone knew that that game was over. If you lined you lined up Oregon and you lined up Ohio State, <laughs> it's not a lack like, of talent on their side. It was just to me, it was. I mean, you. you I'm really going to explain it in a second. Keep going. I like this, but it's just it's. Like, we pride ourselves on being able to run people over. And there are teams in the Big Ten that will lose a game because they can't switch from, you know, when, when you stop their run, they won't switch. It's, we will lose this game if you guys don't go out there and move that line of scrimmage. And the same things on defense. As a defensive line, we had a lot of really good games. It made me sick to my stomach. I think Minnesota was one. We were beating Minnesota. They, were, they did a good job, but we were beating them. It made me sick to my stomach that I think at halftime they had 100 yards or something on us. I was screaming in the locker room, like, could not control myself because as a defensive line, if you want to be respected, especially at Ohio State, especially in the Big Ten, nobody runs on you. It doesn't matter who it is, what the, what the uh, situation is, nobody gets through. Joe, you're in. Yeah. Come Just, on, Joe. Tap him in. Let's go. Yeah. Ding, ding. I'm backing up Mike's point here. Um, you, know, you can talk about five stars all you want, right? I mean, there's only 32 of them in the country. So five stars don't make or break your program. There's a lot more four stars and three stars that are composed of your team. You look at who are the three stars in my class, Jacoby Bourne and Pat Alfine, two Ohio kids, both Pickerington kids. Gritty suckers. You, right, gritty. Like, Jacoby wasn't really an NFL guy. I'm not knocking him here. He's better at landscaping. That's real. But, um, <laughs> but Jacoby, but he was a hell he was of a, a player. Hell of I player, mean, Jacoby man. was mean as mean as can so be. What made him great? Like, literally, Mike, you probably fought him like ten times. I mean, he's Jacoby's the worst person yeah, you want to play against. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Jacoby. Love and you him. love him because Jacoby is like 275, 280. Mm-hmm. Just play with an absolute chip on his shoulder. You look like Pat Elfline. Like, Pat, not your prototypical offense lineman. Like, shorter arms, worked his tail off, wrestler. All he wanted to do was grind for the Buckeyes. Like, him and Jacoby. And, like, are you seeing those type of guys that Texas has? So, my my, my thing is, like, I don't think it's a talent problem. Um, when you're going back to the Big 12, it's like, 
Texas, they play TCU this week. You can't tell me that they have be- they don't have better talent than TCU. Right. Somewhere along the lines in that development, mm-hmm. and I think you could go back to a little bit of the strength staff. You know, we have the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Like Texas, they have a lot of guys hurt last year, this year. Is that a part of it? You know, somewhere in the development, there's just somewhere like there's somewhere wrong there. Like you, we, we can blame the players, but in my opinion, I always don't. I try to not blame the players. I'm always like it's somewhere in the development, somewhere in the coaches. I, I really do. Because well, um, they're not they're not being paid seven million dollars a year. I, to, yeah, that's right. I'm gonna give you an example. <laughs> so I remember when we played Oregon, right? I, I first walked out to when we played Alabama, and I was like, dude, we got this game. Why? Because I saw really big football players from Alabama, but they were stiff. Then mm-hmm. I saw our dudes, really big dudes, but more athletic than what I was seeing from Alabama. Now, that changes from year to year, but that was my first perception. Again, I, I was a strength coach. Like I pa- I'm paid to look at, look at dudes and develop dudes. I'm sorry. That's what happens, right? All right, then, I go, then we go play Oregon. And I specifically remember Coach Meyer talking about they're going to try to run you around the building five times, right? We're going to remember they had the football blown up the 16 second deal, right? Yep. That was the mindset. They're going to run you around the building four or five times. And then guess what? We're going to hit them in the mouth because not only were we in better shape than them, but we were also significantly more physical, tougher, and stronger they were because we squat and we had asses where they had Nassitol, right? Look at Marcus Marizona, Nassitol. Like, I mean, boom, sliding right down there. Then I go look at these other programs that are out there in our country. Like, we train toughness at Ohio State. Here's the difference, though. It's the buy-in from the kids to allow the coaches to coach them that freaking hard because of what they know is going to happen for them should they choose to work that hard. You see all the time different programs. Hey, they're working us too hard. Hey, they're asking us to come in all this time. It's not a 20-hour work week. Well, 20 hours of work week, it's not mandatory to be great either. You hear that chirping outside of other programs because the coach is trying to run a really physical, tough, demanding program to build what we have at Ohio State. But the players themselves are not bought in to that type of lifestyle. Remember, it's a lifestyle now. And then you got a guy like Mark Pantone. Mark Pantone talks about culture over talent all the time. I want to go get the kid that's not going to blame, complain, or defend and bitch and moan about waking up at 6 a.m. to go do some kind of conditioning deal, right? Or have to do bear crawls in the snow like we did when Coach Meyer came in. We're, we're gonna, you're going to go. You're going to get you run you out of the building. Now that we're going to run you out and like threaten you, but you're, you're just not going to like how hard it is. Yeah. So you got to go because you don't fit. So that is really the real problem. I mean, that's the difference between the haves and the have-nots. It's do the guys on the team buy into that type of lifestyle, but the coaches make you understand that if you live that life, here are the great things that can happen for you, right? You can win a conference championship. You can win – a conference, uh, college football playoff championship. Like, that's there, and it's real for the guys at Ohio State. You go try to run that program at Texas, unless you have really good, strong leadership in there, in the room already that wants that, people are going to be chirping. Because the only way you can shut that up is player-driven. Mm-hmm. It's a player-driven culture. And then when the guys are like, hey, man, stop, you know, stop bitching. Like, get in there, man. Why, why aren't you coming in with juice? Like, that's why we coach it so hard. We want the players to do that. I don't want to be herding cats for 20 hours a day. It sucks. You guys don't know. Like, you're, you're just yelling at dudes all the time. I want the players to go do that because yep. now they're all bought in, right? Like, that's the difference in our program 
versus everybody else that wants it. I think it's helpful, especially that you know the Big Ten hasn't even started playing yet, and the Big Twelve's already ruled itself out Poof. of the playoff. Like that's because we've seen it when Oklahoma's got there the last couple of years. What's happened? I mean, they're not they're not ready to compete at that level, and somebody's got to fill that fourth spot. But uh, I mean. I think it's been a decade since Oklahoma had a defensive lineman drafted, and just th- just just think about that. How is that even possible for a program at that level? That's, I mean, everything that these guys said, I think, is true. It's just for me, football is a brutal sport it, at any at any position too. Receivers, DBs, yeah, you can be successful if you are just a fast guy or you're good at your routes or you're smart. But if if when contact happens, if you're not the one with that crazy look in your eye trying to run through a wall, <laughs> then eventually you're just not going to be at the level that you want to be. So, yeah, Oklahoma and Texas, they've got talent. They can go put up some points and all that, and they can look pretty when they do it. But when you're in a big game, and I think this is why the Big Ten and the SEC are consistently – the best uh, conferences in college football outside of Clemson itself. But <laughs> just, just be its own, it's, it's, its own it's thing. It's its own, it's thing. own yeah. conference. <laughs> but those conferences are because, I don't know if it's something about pulling people from the south and the north, but there is a different kind of look. I mean, Coach Myers said this all the time, a different kind of look in those guys' eyes when they think that things aren't going well. There's a different kind of pride with, I know uh, with the defensive line and the offensive lines that I had a part in at Ohio State, there was a different kind of pride. It wasn't like, oh, you know, they got us. It was you You were disgusted to look in the mirror if somebody that you didn't think was worthy to beat you beat you. And that was, that was I think, partly from Coach Meyer. I think partly, especially the O-line, My uh, when I was younger, was really pushing that culture. And as the O-line got better, the D-line was like, well, we're not about to get beat up all day in practice, and we're not about to get crap talked to us all day in practice. you had some ballers, too, that you're going up against, right? I mean, you some had some ballers. ballers, I, think, some ballers. I think my junior year or my senior year, between the maybe seven guys that were starters on those O-line, six of them went to the NFL, were yeah, drafted in the I NFL. I mean, what was it? What was 22? Yeah, Corey Lindsley, Jack Muhort, uh, Andrew, Andrew Norwell. Norwell. Um, um, Daryl Marcus Baldwin, Hall. Marcus Hall. Pat, Al- Pat Alfline came in and played one yep. player of the game against Team Up North. I mean, um, you had some you had some. Taylor dudes. Decker. Taylor yeah. Decker was not able to play on the team because yeah. he wasn't good enough. And, yet. and, and <laughs> here's the other thing. Taylor Decker, remember this. Taylor Decker, soft as goose poop, man. I mean, you guys His specifically remember. It was a problem. We would drop Which, a rope yeah. in the deal. And like Corey Lindsley, they just beat him. And like people were fighting in the weight room and stuff. Yeah. Because he was about, soft. You talk about And he growing. would say, like, like, you got everybody out there thinks like people, oh, no, you're, you're, no, Taylor will tell you right now he was soft. Taylor's not that way anymore. Oh, no. And here's the other thing in Ohio State. What do they do? They make you go earn it on special teams. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to be a baller on special teams. Like, you got to go. Yep. You got to go earn it. You got to be physically tough. You got to be mentally tough. You got to be emotionally tough because the game is hard on you. If you listen to all the clippings and people are just berating you, like, you're not good enough. Like it, you have to be emotionally tough. You got to be mentally tough. To be able to have the discipline to do everything that they're called upon to do, right? And so it is up to us to figure out through coaching and events how to get you to flip that switch. And for some guys, they come in and they already got it. Other guys, they come in. Joshua Perry, bench press 225, zero times when he walked in the door. I was like, these guys are already made bullcrap. No, they're not. They can't go right to the NFL. Ryan Shazier, 197 pounds. It doesn't happen. But because they worked at it and they took hard coaching and people got on their ass a little bit 
and they realized self-introspection. I'm not as good as I think I am. I need this in my life, like a wall sit or a leg press till I want to puke, right? Or somebody going against me in a John Simon versus jo- Joshua Perry, and he's just talking trash to him the entire time. Get him, his, get his inhaler. Get his inhaler. He needs it. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna crush this guy. Like that really does happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but we paired them up specifically to develop the mental toughness. If you think that's not real, like I don't know what world you live in. That's why I like living in the fake bubble of uncomfortable. I can't stand regular society. Because everybody's soft like that, and, and you know? The backup, which Slag you. said, you, you talk about- What? Get it. Well, I'm going to eat a mac and cheese by now. I'm just kidding. I love everybody. Everybody <laughs> loves everybody. I am, but that's really, that does happen. I'm trying to live in Schlage's real bubble, but it's hard to Good get luck. in, man. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, to give Mike, like we talk about Mike, and Mike was our senior captain. Mike, I mean, how hard did Coach Meyer, how hard did Coach Johnson coach you? Oh, yeah. So when we talk about, though, like Mike is the leader of our defensive line group. I mean, Joey was a sophomore the year we won it all. And, like, Joey, the unbelievable player. But Joey's not going to be, like, the most outspoken type of guy. So Mike was our leader in the defense line group. Mike took the hardest coaching, I would say, out of anybody there, save for some, oh you know, some goodness, slap freshman. Hey, guys, did he take some hard yeah. coaching was now? Was crazy or what? Yeah, I, I know. Mike, Mike got Come killed. Now. I know the hard coaching <laughs> that Mike took. But. I know it. It's real. <laughs> it's real. I mean, Mike, good you're for you, buddy. You're, you're, you're still standing here. <laughs> But, I mean, like, so if you're a young guy, you come in, you watch what Mike goes through. Mike, first team, all Big Ten, whatever. And Mike can take that? Yeah. Who the hell are you not to take that? Right. You know, and that, that's like the mentality you look at, like, what Curtis Grant went through, and I'm a linebacker. I'm like, shoot, man, like, if he can take that, like, I, I'm kind of, like, I got to step it up, man. And so, like, I think it's like that example of, like, it's coaches, it's your top players, like, that can take hard coaching. And I think that does take time. But, um, I mean, it's it's – you gotta it's have something. the catalyst. Yeah, you do. You gotta, and I don't, I don't know why that culture just seems to elude the Big Twelve. I don't know what it is. They're just so enthralled by these, you know, fifty to five to fifty-seven point games. And all I do is when I see that scoreline, it's like your defenses suck. You guys aren't tough. Someone's not getting hit in the mouth because like, a receiver's not gonna go get these balls if they're worried about a safety just blowing their chest up. A right. uh, running back's not going to be so excited to just bounce it outside if he doesn't think a corner's going to cut his legs out. And I, that's all I see when I see these big score lines, and maybe that's what fans like. But I don't personally think the Big 12 is impressive because you guys don't – you're scared to bleed. You're scared to get hurt. You're scared to put yourself on the line for your teammates. And to me, we respected people at Ohio State who were tough – more than we just respected talent. I know that we had That's talented true. guys who we talked mad crap to because we knew, one, they weren't going to fight because they were scared, and two, because you as a talented guy, you need to be the toughest. You are default the leader because you are the talent. That's just what it is. And if you're going to come out here and you're not going to work hard, you're going to come out here and you're not going to put forth the effort that guys like Joe Berger who are putting in their whole life to this program are going to do, that's unacceptable. And we got... I think we got really lucky. I got lucky that I had great leadership. I mean, I, John Simon was like my big brother freshman year. And, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll hear plenty of stories about him. But I got really lucky with the leaders that I got to witness when I was young so that when we had really talented guys coming up, um, we were able to kind of keep – Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas came in and he was talented. Nobody liked that dude because he wouldn't stop talking. He liked himself a lot. And I remember, I want to say it was between his sophomore and junior year, junior year, I remember looking around like, where is Mike? Because he didn't say a word. All that dude, he got berated so many times that this guy said, all right, I'm going to lock in and I'm going to just be the best I can be. And 
I think Mike Thomas's contribution on that on my senior season is way, way, way undervalued. That guy was a different style of player mm-hmm. after that year, and that I think is a because t- if you go to if he goes to Texas and you've got talent, all the coaches are like, oh, you know, we got to get Mike ready, you know, and these other guys are like, oh, oh you you're know, so good, Mike. Yeah, you're the best. <laughs> I love right, you. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean, like they just. They're too scared to talk to their stars like that, and the older players are too scared to talk to these new recruits. And at Ohio State, one, if you couldn't fight, then tough. We're going to talk to you how we talk to you. And two, if you aren't going to be putting in the work the way the people that came before us were putting in the work, then your talent means nothing. Go somewhere else where they care about that stuff. We got another guy. Sorry, but if you don't want to put in the work, fine. We'll just put someone else in. What are we talking about? I mean, what, what who, can you do? Who was your, who was your quarter, backup, you're scared, Mike? And you you got all this talent, but you're too scared to go make a play. Yeah. I don't need you. We want to put in that three star who's ready to make a play four quarters and overtime. All right, I'm, I will rely on that person over somebody who I see quit day in and day out. Sorry, go on. Like I'm just saying, like anybody, no, everybody at Ohio State can play. Like, <laughs> I mean, Steve Miller. I don't even know if he started and makes a huge play against Alabama. Steve Miller's a freak. Yeah, awesome guy, awesome player, worked his tail off. I don't even know if he started. That's how good Ohio State is. I mean, look at our defensive line. We had my senior year, our backups were Nick Bosa was a backup. Like, I mean, what are we talking about? That dude's, I mean, before he got hurt, he's one of the best defensive in the NFL. Yeah. Like, Ohio State's got players, man. If you, if you don't want to do it, fine, next guy. And, and they're going to be just as good as you. And it's an open, like, the coaches tell the recruits and their parents, this is a really tough program. Like, our strength and conditioning program is built off the foundation of toughness. Our football program is built on the foundation of toughness. Like, this is a very hard, tough program, but if you get through it, not only could you potentially have an opportunity to play on Sundays, you're going to win a lot of championships, you're going to win a lot of games, and you're going to be set up for life because of what Ohio State does for you, but more importantly, the mental aspect for you to be able to go and actually attack a job Mm -hmm. opportunity, right? Like what Joe's doing, that's attacking a job opportunity. You figured it out. You went through it, and now I'm going to go attack. Coach Meyer always talked about the win- the ability of winning championships as a blood transfusion. Well, guess what? You're not necessarily getting that if you're a music major or an engineer major, right? Like the only way you get a blood transfusion from that is if like you built a building, I guess. I don't know, <laughs> right? Or you won a bid, but like they're getting it and they taste how that feels. And I want to go get that in some other capacity, right? Because we all have a second career after the game of football. So those things are built in, but they articulate that this is tough. I'm going to coach you like I coach my own kids, right? I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect, but guess what, man? I'm going to extract everything from you that I possibly can. Whether or not you want to give it to me or not, that's on you, right? Boom. That's think, a great conversation. I think I picked I like a good stuff. day to talk about Texas and Oklahoma <laughs> with three of the baddest, <laughs> with three of the baddest, toughest dudes that I can remember covering uh, at Ohio State. That. I did not know that was where we were going, but that's also but why we don't script what? the show, right? Nope, should it? <laughs> Wherever should we go, it's a fun, casual conversation at Roosters. This has been Letterman Live. I had a great time. I learned a lot. My head, Good. my head Good. was spinning uh, when Schlegs was throwing out all those defensive schemes. I'm going to have Mike and, and Joe break those down for me later on. But it's great to have Joe Berger, Michael Bennett, and Anthony Schlegel out here with us this week for Letterman Live. It's brought to you by Roosters. Way more coverage coming for Ohio State at LettermanRow.com. I am just Austin Ward. We'll see you next time right here at Roosters for Letterman Live.